we've already got two things going against us. One, we got an hour less sleep. Uh, and two, the Lord turned on the rain sounds. Uh, which I don't know if you've ever been in here, but when you're in this place and that rain is hitting that tin roof, it, it you start to get a little sleepy. Uh, so let's all let's all fight that. And and luckily, uh, our love and and desire for the Lord and and uh, for His Word is going to, of course, beat any of that. Uh, but hopefully, we'll have a just a, a great time this morning. We we began last week really looking into this question of, of what is biblical prayer. And we're going to continue uh, uh, this series for, for whoever, whoever knows how long. And we talked about how, how, how prayer is this difficult, uh, this difficult subject to try and deal with. Like, like, what does the Bible say about prayer? And part of the problem is that is that, one, it's a huge topic. Two, people either love it or they hate it. So some people, when we say there's a prayer series, are like, finally. And other people are like, tell me when it's over. Uh, so we've got all of these, all of these things. Uh, and then you add on top of that, some of the reasons we like it and some of the reasons we hate it is because there's a lot of bad teaching on what prayer is out there. So we've got a lot of baggage that we're carrying with us that we already think that we either know everything there is to know about prayer or we think I can never pray like that. There are praying people and there are unpraying people, right? There are prayer warriors and there's not prayer warriors and that's their prayer is so almost becomes like a spiritual gift uh, for certain people. Like that's their gifting. They pray. That's not my gifting. Uh, but, but our goal is to find out, to wade through all of that and say, what does the Bible actually say about prayer? When it is teaching God's people to pray and what prayer is, when you look at the Bible, what is it talking about when it says so-and-so is praying or this person prayed or when you pray, pray like this? What activity is it talking about? And we look just very simply the Bible is very simple in its definition of what prayer is. Prayer uh, is simply asking God to do something. Asking God to do something. That's all, that's both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The words that God chose to use for prayer are just simply the word that means to ask. To ask him to do something, to bring a wish to him, to, to ask God to act on your behalf for some reason. Now, as we're continuing to move beyond that, now that we know what prayer is and we want to get into the sort of get into the weeds of how does that, how do we put that into action, uh, we're going to look at some very uh, specific verses or specific prayers to start us every week, prayers that uh, sort of gather that may not teach us a lot about prayer in these verses, but that are really good and deep prayers of the Bible. And one of the things we're going to see hopefully as we're doing this is you can learn a lot about prayer and a lot of the great value of prayer by reading the prayers of scripture Uh, just as a child learns to pray not often by a parent sitting down and say all right you're going to start out I want you to say dear heavenly father dear heavenly father and now you're going to say these words, say those words. But a child learns to mimic the prayer of their parents. And as we all sort of learn to pray sort of naturally uh, by, by hearing others pray, one of the great values we're going to see is the value in reading prayers from the people of God. So this one is from Psalm 20. Psalm 20, 1 through 9. So if you, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. Psalm 21 through 9. May the Lord answer you. And well, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's do that. I'm already standing, so I forget that others, others aren't. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over our, over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners 
May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Our Lord, our God, our Savior, the one that we trust in. It is your name that we trust in, and that is why we are here. We are here to praise you for that name that always saves its people. For that right hand that is always at work, and when we should have collapsed and fallen with the nations, Father, you gave us life. And today we rise and we stand upright because we have been redeemed. Because you have heard our prayers even from our sinful mouths and brought us salvation. So we shout for joy, Father, in the God who answers the prayers of his people, who always answers when we call. You are a great God. May we worship you today with all the praise and adoration that you deserve. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. All right, so we looked at what is prayer. And now if we've talked about that we're going to look at prayer for who knows how many weeks, uh, however long it takes us to get through it. Uh, I think Brian is taking a, a betting table. Uh, I don't know who's got such and such number of weeks, but maybe you get an extra piece of pie at a fellowship dinner. I don't know how it works out. Uh, but as we're looking at that, I mean, why spend so much time talking about prayer? Why is, is prayer even really all that important of a, a topic? Is it important enough for us to spend all, I mean, when you look at, for example, uh, aren't, aren't there more important topics? I mean, there are, we said, 250 uh, times that the word, is, word prayer is mentioned, 250 times. I mean, there are 31,000 verses in the Bible, 250 times it talks about prayer. I mean, there are 700,000 words in the Bible. Only 250 of those are the word pray or prayer. So is this even really something that is worth all of our time? What we're going to see, though, is that in those 250 verses and in those 250 plus times it talks about prayer, not only is prayer a very important thing, prayer is vitally important to the church, something that it is worth the church to devote themselves toward. That when scripture talks about prayer, scripture does not short sell prayer. Scripture tells us so much in those verses that we can know prayer is vitally important. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Why is prayer important or the importance of prayer? And the first thing we're going to see is that the disciples, and this one is fairly basic. The disciples certainly thought that it was something worth learning, right? So the first thing we can see about prayer is it's something worth learning about. I mean, the disciples are spending their time with Jesus. And what happens in Luke chapter 11, verse 1? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. So here, here they're with Jesus. They've been with him now probably a couple of years at this point, year and a half to two years, somewhere in that range. And they've got this gnawing desire, right? Jesus, who made a habit of praying and who they'd seen pray a lot, they finally go up to him and they say, hey, we want to know how to pray. Let teach, John teaches his disciples how to pray, you know, which is funny. It's like when kids are like, so-and-so gets to play, you know, this video game or do this. And they come up and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, John teaches his disciples how to pray. Do you think you could teach us how to pray? I mean, which is, which is funny because uh, 
normally people don't, don't want you to teach them how to pray. You know, like, like the disciples want to know how to, so normally instead of when people talk about prayer, they're not asking you when they, when, when they say we should talk about prayer or preach about prayer, they don't mean I want you to teach me how to pray. They mean, I want you to teach everyone else how to pray. Uh, is normally what they mean when we talk about prayer. It's not, I really want to know about prayer. Teach me to pray, pastor. It's normally, hey, I need everybody else to be praying. But these disciples who had spent years with Jesus, we've got, and think about who the disciples are. I think sometimes we short sell the disciples as if they're just some wandering, nameless uh, dudes that uh, just happened to hear about this Messiah guy or follow Jesus because he's, I mean, the, the disciples, many of them, as far as we know, were, were godly Israelites who had been waiting for the Messiah. I mean, they're the, they're the best of the best in terms of Israel. These, they're not necessarily the, the Pharisees that were trying to avoid the Messiah at all costs. They've been waiting. These, I mean, these, the disciples were the true sons of Israel who had learned from, you know, rabbis and Pharisees who'd seen prayer at the temple, who knew how to pray. And yet, they went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Men who would have been praying their entire lives, the best that Israel had to offer in so many ways, and they went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Of all of the things to ask the Son of God to teach them about, all of the questions, and we know there were several questions that plagued them, some more mature than others. You know, you get this, which is a noble one, and you get others like, okay, tell us which one of us is the best. Uh, You know, which one of us is going to be greatest. Of all the things to ask the Son of God, the disciples who knew that their time with Jesus was, was limited, They come to him and they ask, teach us to pray. So how important is prayer? And prayer is important enough for you right now and in your life to ask Jesus to teach you how to do it, no matter how much you've grown up in it. Whether you've grown up doing it your whole life, whether you've been someone who's been able to pray since you were young, you know, you were a little bitty kid willing to offer up prayers in front of everybody and you've been able to do that or you're someone who struggled with prayer forever. We all need to be people. It is worth your time to go to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me to pray. If you don't know how to pray, if you're nervous about prayer, if you shake when you do it, whether you're in front of a crowd or whether you're alone with the Lord, whether you feel like all your requests are nothing and so you're too embarrassed to even ask him them, or, or if, you've, if you're stellar at prayer, where when you get done shouting people, or when you get done praying, people say, amen, and give a light clap, and then, and then they, that's so refresh, your prayer so refreshed me. No matter who you are, it is worth your time to go to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me to pray. The disciples certainly thought that it was, but there are other ways that the Bible teaches us about the importance of prayer. And what's funny is this is the one that most, uh, one of the ones that most interested me is as I was thinking about why prayer is important, I, I went to the obvious, which is, well, it's important because the Bible commands us to do it, right? It's important because the Bible commands us to pray. And then as I was going through my Bible to find that, I realized, no, not really. And the Bible doesn't really command us ever to pray. It does tell us how to pray. It tells us the extent of our prayers. In other words, don't stop praying. Pray all the time. But we're never just told to pray. Whenever we're, we're commanded, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Not just pray, but pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Not just pray, but pray for your enemies. These aren't really teaching us to pray. They're all teaching us the degree to which we should pray. They're teaching us the depths of our prayers. When it says pray continuously, no one's going, what is prayer? And how, why am I, what, how, he's assuming that prayer is already happening. He's just telling the people, keep doing it. When he says pray for your enemies, he doesn't have to explain what prayer even is. He just says, when you pray, pray also for your enemies. Now, why is that important? Not to say we're not commanded to pray so we don't have to do it, right? That would really shortchange this, uh, this series. 
Prayer is such a blessing and we are so in need of it that the idea of not doing it at all doesn't even cross the pages of scripture. And, and think about it. Think, think of all this, the crazy stuff that God has told, had to tell his people to do and not do. I mean, God has had to tell his people things like, man, he's like, I better go down and tell them not to burn their children to death. Like they need to know that. Like that's essential. I need to go down and make sure they don't fall into this thinking. But he's, he's never had a point where he's had to say, I just need to teach them to pray. That's because prayer is natural. So that's the re- one of the reasons prayer is important is prayer is natural. Prayer is worth learning and prayer is natural. It is written in many ways into the DNA of mankind. And that's true. When you look across the globe, across societies, across culture, there are not people who don't call out to God. They all recognize, even in the pagan mind, that I need that to do something. I mean, the old adage, there are no atheists in foxholes. But I'll tell you something foxholes are filled with, the most natural, feral instinct of man, which is to cry out to God, do something, do something. When they say no atheists are in foxholes, they don't mean people in foxholes are getting out their Bibles and reading them together. They mean in foxholes, everyone is going, Lord, help. Everyone is praying. From the battlefield to the sickbed to the crib side, humanity turns to God for help. So the Bible expects us to be praying. Pray is, praying is so important that it's an assumed part of the Christian life. Jonathan Edwards says that prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is to life. So take, for example, the disciples. We just mentioned it. The disciples don't come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, John has his people doing this thing called prayer. Can you tell us what prayer is? They're already praying. They're already asking God to do things. They want to know how to do that right. In fact, there's no passage where, where Jesus, for example, says, let me tell you about praying. Or guys, here's your problem. You need to learn about this thing about prayer where you ask God to do something. Instead, all of Jesus' prayers or instructions on prayer are assuming that they know what prayer already is. So uh, in Matthew 6, what does he say? And when you pray, not and pray, but when you do, there's this expectation. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, do this. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't stop praying. Don't stop it. Always pray. Don't lose heart. Don't pray and then quit. Jesus doesn't have to command his disciples to pray, but rather to teach them how to pray rightly. Paul does the same thing. In Paul's instructions on prayer, for example, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he just says, continue continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving paul doesn't have to tell the church at colossae to start praying but rather to to encourage them to to call them to continuously keep praying to be steadfast in prayer part of the importance of prayer is that it doesn't really have to be commanded but rather it needs to be molded and shaped which means that, that God has made his creations a praying people. And you actually see that. I mean, we know this just experientially, right? Even those who reject the lordship of Christ will in moments of despair or difficulty do what? Pray. Think about what happened on 9-11 that so many years ago. We, were, we turned and as a nation, everybody wanted to do what? Pray. Pray. We don't need to be taught to prayer. It almost seems to be innate as image bearers of God, which is why prayer is so universally natural because we are so universally powerless. What does all, why, do, why does all of humanity pray? Because we all understand Matthew 6, 27. 
which is what does it say? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? We all recognize that none of us can do anything by our efforts to even add a moment to our life. We all recognize that we are powerless and we know innately who is powerful. And so we turn to him. None of us need to be told to pray. We need to be told to pray more, to not lose heart in prayer, to pray a certain way for a certain people. But the human heart knows to pray. And I think rather than diminishing prayer, the fact that the Bible doesn't have to command us to to pray teaches us the universal value of prayer. The importance of prayer can be seen that it is written into the human heart. Again, does this, this mean we don't have to pray? Of course not. The expectation of the Bible is that you are praying. The command isn't going to be to pray, but to pray more. To not stop, to not lose heart, to not quit. The fact that the Bible doesn't tell us to pray, but rather, but rather takes us further into prayer. Helps us understand this thing that we are all doing. Shows us the fundamental importance of prayer. How important is prayer? People pray. Everyone, everywhere prays. It is natural to the human heart. So you can see the importance of prayer and just that it's natural. It's built into us by God. It's something worth learning. But there are other more explicit ways that the Bible does teach us about the importance of prayer. That's sort of a proving it by something that isn't there, right? How important is prayer? Well, I'm going to show you it's important by something the Bible never says, which is it never says to pray. But the Bible also says some things about the importance of prayer that teach us why we would spend this amount of time learning how to pray and why we should do that first point, which is it is worth learning. Why is it worth learning? Why would the disciples go to Jesus and say, teach us to pray? Why right now, as we're hearing prayer, should we be saying, Lord, teach us to pray? And one of the things we can see is we, we need, prayer is important because prayer is a great blessing. Prayer is a great blessing. And, and, and by that, I mean prayers that are heard. The fact that God hears your prayers is a great blessing. Now know this, the Bible tells us that God does not hear all prayers. I'll take a drink, a drink not for dramatic pause, but so I don't lose my voice. <clears throat> if I end up losing my voice, it's because I was shouting at the abortion clinic and I will bear that proudly. Uh, Isaiah chapter one, verse five. Isaiah chapter one, verse five says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So here Isaiah is talking to the people of God. And even to the people of God, he says, look, I'm not going to hear your prayers because your prayers are full of, of blood. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. All right, so if you go to the Lord and you're praying and asking God to do things, but you're cherishing iniquity rather than cherishing him, he says, those are prayers that I do not listen to. And of course, when he's saying that, it doesn't mean that God doesn't know that these prayers are happening, right? This is not a moment that is outside the omniscience of God, uh, right? Like when sinners pray, God's like, I I didn't even know that was happening. Uh, But rather, what is it saying? That he has no intention of answering those prayers. Prayers, which makes sense when we remember what the Bible says that prayer is, which is asking God to do something. When God says, I won't hear your prayers, he's saying, I won't listen to what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to do anything about it. Of course, he knows that they're praying. He knows that it's happening. It's not that there's some sort of barrier where it doesn't get to his ears. He's just saying, if you ask me to do things, if you pray and your hands are full of blood, I'm not going to listen to you. If you pray and you're still cherishing iniquity, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to answer those. One of the great blessings of the Old Testament is that God 
promises to hear the prayers of his people. When you're reading the Old Testament, one of the greatest blessings that God gives to the Israelite people is he comes to them and says, I will hear you when you pray. Uh, the perfect example of this and one uh, that, that we, a passage we go to a lot for the issue of prayer for this very reason, it has to do with the temple. In fact, this, the fact that God heard, would hear our prayers is one of the things that made the temple so great. We don't think about that. We often think that the temple's just great because that's where you go to offer sacrifices and that deals with sin. But one of the greatest blessings of the temple is that in the temple, God would hear the prayers of his people. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, you're gonna, we're going to go to chapter 7, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 6... This is where the temple is being dedicated and Solomon has one request to make of God in the dedication of the temple. He asked God to do one thing for the temple. Solomon is really good if he's given one, one thing to ask for. Uh, there's a lot of other things he's not so good at. Uh, when he asks for more than one thing, like multiple foreign wives, not as good. Uh, but when he's asking for one thing, he's really good. Uh, and we know he asks for wisdom. Here, what is his one request of the temple? One request. He says, hear the prayers of your people. One thing Solomon could ask in the dedication of the temple, he says, God, please Hear the prayers of your people even when they sin. Even when they sin. And so he, he, goes, he goes through this list in Second Chronicles chapter 6. He says, if, if sin brings defeat uh, or if sin brings drought or if sin brings famine, God, please hear their prayer. He then says, if a foreigner comes to the temple even, please hear their prayer. If your people are in battle, and they can't be in the temple, but they, but they turn toward the temple and, and pray toward the temple. Hear their prayer. If they sin and repent and turn back with all their heart and pray, then hear their prayer. Please, God, that's what Solomon asked for in the dedication of the temple. Hear our prayers. And that's what leads us to Second Chronicles chapter 7. One of the most famous passages on prayer that would be even more important if we read 2 Chronicles 6. Because in 2 Chronicles 7, what does he say? Look at 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 15. He says, I have heard your prayer. Solomon asked God to do this. And God goes to Solomon and says, I have heard what you asked. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I... Shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. Exactly what Solomon talked about. Or command the locusts to devour the land. Famine that he talked about. Or send pestilence among the people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open. And my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. I think one of the interesting things about the, when people read Second Chronicles 7, and you, you, people don't realize that Second Chronicles 7 isn't just about prayer. Second Chronicles 7 is God answering a prayer. Solomon is asking God, God, please hear the people when these things happen. And, and God, God isn't pulling 2 Chronicles 7 out of the air. God is repeating in 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon's prayer back to him. God is saying, yes, if my people will repent before they pray, and if they'll pray in faith, then yes, I will hear their prayers that they make in the temple because God has chosen to bless that place. What does, what does 2 Chronicles 7 teach us? Of all things, the first thing that it should teach us is the great blessing of God to listen to the prayers of his people. Solomon knew 
In his vast wisdom, Solomon, this wisest of men, knew what can I ask God to do in this place? The temple's about to be here. The glory of the Lord's about to fill it. His presence is about to be here. What's the one thing I can ask? God, hear us. Of all the things, God, hear our prayers. You want to know how important prayer is? Solomon knew that one of the greatest things, one of the greatest blessings he could ask for the people of Israel. God, you're coming to bless this place. You will choose this place. You will do great things in this place. What is the great thing that we're going to ask you to do? God, hear us. Because we don't deserve it. We deserve famine. We deserve pestilence. We deserve to be ravaged by our enemies. We deserve you to turn your ear from us forever. Even if we do turn back to you, we deserve because of our sin to be eternally separated from your ears to where you will not do anything that we ask. And here he says, okay. God says, okay. If my people will do this, I've, he says, I've heard your prayer, Solomon. If my people will do what you said they'll do, then I will hear. And I will heal their land. I will do it. That's why Jesus gets so upset when that purpose of the temple is lost, right? Jesus knew the importance that the temple was supposed to be. He knew the value of the temple and they were totally missing the value and purpose of the temple. So in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 17, what happens? It says, and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he started to pray because that's what happens at the temple. Right? No, what does it say? And he drove, began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be, of all the things to say, that the temple is supposed to be, What makes Jesus so upset? He says, you have forgotten the great blessing of this place. You've made it a place to make money. You've made it a place to buy and sell your things. And you've forgotten the greatest blessing. This is to be called a house of prayer for all the nations. It's not... It's, it's no surprise that the place they set up to do their wares in this buying and selling was often the court of the Gentiles because who needs the Gentiles to pray? He says, but you've made it a den of robbers. You know, what makes Jesus so mad? Is it, is it the teaching? Is it their sacrifices that are denying the sacrifices? He doesn't put a whip in here and says, you're talking about sacrifice, but you don't, you're going to kill the sacrifice. That's not what he shouts. That's not what he drives them out for. He says, you no longer have this, what it's meant to be, which is a place of prayer, a place where God hears his people. In the Bible, one of the greatest blessings of God in all of Scripture is to know that when you ask God to do something, when you pray, He, the God of the universe, holy, you unholy, Him righteous, you unrighteous, that when you pray, He hears. We've gotten so used, of course, of course our prayers are heard, right? We've gotten so used to prayer that of course God hears our prayers. You almost have, you, in, in, in preaching about prayer and in, in what we talked about today, one of the things I have to convince people more than anything is that there might ever be a prayer that God doesn't hear. I have to convince people that you might pray and God not hear it. They're like, what in the world sort of God is that? And I say the one mentioned and the one who God says he is. We forget that there is no reason that God should hear our prayers. So why is prayer so important? Because in the expanse of all the blessings of God, for him to give his people one of the greatest blessings God has given his people is that when you ask the one who made this world to do something for you, he will hear you. He will hear you. I mean, I can't even call AT&T without talking to a computer for a long time. 
You can, there are people, fallen people in this world that you could spend your entire life trying to have a conversation with and they won't listen to you. They will never hear you. And yet God comes to us and blesses us and says, you're, you're worried about your child? You're worried about their future? And you know, you can't do anything to change it. You can't do anything to shape it. You can just be faithful. Come to me and ask and I will hear your prayer for your child. You're worried about your nation? You're worried about the place that you live? You're worried about where's all this going? What am I, gonna, what am I supposed to do? I'm so powerless. Well, you know who's not powerless? God. You know what he says? Set your heart toward me. Repent, turn from your ways, come to me and pray, and I will hear you. The Bible teaches us that prayer is one of the greatest blessings that we could ever know. And yet, sadly, it is one of the blessings that we take for granted so often, take it such for granted that we sometimes forget to do it. And so it's no surprise then that as you go through the Bible, the Bible lays out example after example. If prayer is this great godly thing, this blessing that God gives to his people, the Bible lays out that, that godly people have always known the importance of prayer. They've always known the importance of this gift of prayer. And so we'll see examples throughout scripture of what do godly people do? Godly people pray. And so how important is prayer? By, by the examples of scripture, the first thing we see is that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. First godly example we're going to see, Jesus prayed. I mean, there, there are great examples of godly men throughout Scripture, praying men, praying women, women who, who can't have children, who are praying to the Lord. The Lord hears that. People spend years. You get Anne at the birth of Jesus, who's, who's been in the temple 80-some-odd years, sort of praying, asking the Lord to do these things. Think of Daniel, who knew that prayer was so important that he was, he was willing to, to die, to risk death in order to pray to the Lord. And there are godly examples all over the place. But, but the greatest example is, of course, Jesus. And Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus prayed a lot. From the beginning of his ministry to the end of his life, Jesus lived a perfect life, but he also lived a prayerful life. If you read the Gospels, you're going to see that Jesus prayed a lot of times. Like I said, from the beginning, even at his baptism. At his baptism, what does it say that Jesus did? Uh, uh, Jesus, so Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. Then you go to the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, Jesus went out to a desolate pray, place and there he prayed. After performing miracles, what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. Mark chapter 6, verse 46, he then went up on the mountain to pray. Before the cross, what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. In fact, that night, Jesus is going to pray three times. Praying with such agony and earnestness that it said that, that he sweats and it, 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 his sweat fell like drops of blood. But those moments are not anomalies in the life of Jesus. It's not like he just prayed at the beginning of his life, prayed in the middle, and then prayed at the end. And so pray when you become a Christian, pray sometime in the middle, and then pray right before you die. Some sort of extreme unction. In fact, the Bible tells us these are not anomalies, that for Jesus... Prayer was a habit. Prayer is just what he did. So Luke chapter 5 verse 16. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Here Luke's telling us that's what he would do. It was his habit to do this. Not he, th he withdrew one time to a desolate pl place and prayed. What Jesus often did was go to a desolate place and pray there. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. Days. During this entire time, Luke's telling us in Luke 6, he is during this time, every day, I'm not going to mention it, I'm not going to talk about it, I'm not going to tell you every time, but I'm going to tell you, these days, he would go to the mountain and pray. 
Luke's telling you, I'm not going to include that in the history, but when I was collecting these stories of what Jesus did from the people who were with him, one thing they told me over and over that Jesus did is he would go to the mountain and pray. It was his habit. So if you and I are going to just follow the example of Christ in our lives, then we must follow the example of praying. But Jesus didn't just pray personally. Jesus also taught about prayer. So how do we know that prayer is important? One, Jesus prayed. Another is Jesus taught about prayer. So why is prayer important? Prayer, Jesus taught about prayer. If you, if you, if you, if you know, it might have taken, a, uh, like I said, maybe a few years to teach the disciples how to pray, but that doesn't mean he hadn't already taught them a lot of things about prayer even before that. And it doesn't mean that he was finished after Luke chapter 11. Jesus' entire ministry was teaching the people about praying. I mean, I mean you, you, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and when you pray, do this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but when you pray, do this. 6, 7, when you pray, 6, 9, pray then like this over and over. Jesus might not have taught a lot on prayer, but when the Son of God was on earth for that brief period of time, the fact that he taught the people about prayer at all shows the importance of prayer. And the early church certainly knew the importance of this prayer, both from from Jesus' life, from his actions, and from, from his teaching. And so then the early church set the example for us on the importance of prayer. And we're going to see that importance next week. Because we're about halfway through. And uh, the rest kind of goes together. So let's stop right there and let's think about what we've looked at. Let's look at the first few things and what sort of application can we take from the first few things that we've seen about the the importance of prayer. One, notice the humble attitude of the disciples. Remember that in Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray. These godly men who spent their lives learning about the Messiah. I mean, this is the the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Remember that Andrew tells Peter, this is the one. He's finally here. These godly men, are you? And as we go through this series, are you thinking, Lord, teach me to pray? I mean, is that as you're, as you're coming, even as you're preparing on uh, Saturday night throughout the week, whatever you're doing, and you're getting ready to come here, even as you're driving up here and you know, you know what we're going to talk about. You know we're going to talk about, about prayer in some fashion. Are you ever going back? That's why we kept it as the, the chief verse. Are you ever going back to the, where the disciples were in Luke 11 and saying, Lord, teach me to pray. Today I'm going to learn about prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. Or are your thoughts more, Lord, teach them to pray? Lord, teach them to pray. I'm excited we're talking about praying and I can't wait for you to teach all these other people about prayer. The disciples don't get together and say, hey, Lord, because you've got us 12 here and you've got all this multitude following you. Lord, teach them to pray, right? Because all they want is bread. And all they want is miracles. So Lord, teach them what to really ask for. Teach them what they really need, Lord. Instead, even his disciples come up to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples were in many ways godly praying men who still came humbly to the Lord to ask for him to teach them how to pray. So no matter who you are, no matter how great or how bad you are at praying, praying is so important that you need to learn how to do it. 
So you can come to, and there's one prayer that we should all be having today, and it is, Lord, teach me to pray. If you want to add on to that after that and teach all my other, all, everyone else here to pray too, because I love them, and it's good for them too, and all that, but, it, but don't skip that first, that first question, that first prayer, that first asking of the Lord. Lord, teach me to pray. And then look to the example of Christ. Christ was a praying man. In big moments, Jesus prayed. In normal moments, there's nothing happening around it, right? We're not just heading to the cross and we're not just being baptized, but everyday moments, what did Jesus do? He prayed. So I can ask you, do you pray like Christ? Do you pray? Is it your habit to go to the Lord asking him to do this or that, knowing that you need him? When big moments come up, do you pray? Or do you spend all your time going, how am I going to solve this? Our our finance is like this. Our house is like this. My marriage is like that. What can I do? Instead of taking that big moment and saying, God, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful in this. I want to be faithful as a husband. I want to lead my home like this. I want to be faithful as a church member. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I know know you can do something about it. So I'm coming to you, Lord, and asking for your help. Do that. Lord will hear you. But not just in big moments, in everyday moments. Are you realizing every day that one of the, th- one of the reasons we don't have to be anxious about tomorrow is the Lord's like, today's going to have enough trouble. Don't worry about that. <laughs> he doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow. Everything's going to be great then. He's like, eh, today's going to be bad enough. You should probably focus on that. Uh, so are you taking your everyday moment to realize that today might be a day filled with problems living in a, a fallen person, living in a fallen world? And those things might come up, things that I don't even know about yet. Moments that might be ordinary that might turn into extraordinary, that might become big moments, and I know I'll need to pray then. And so since I know that might be coming, Lord, I'm going to pray now. I go to you now. That's how we can pray like Christ. And the last thing is remember the great blessing of prayer. I don't want any of us to be going through this thinking that that prayer is either just important, a big subject to sort of tuck away in our systematic theologies in our brain about what is prayer, this is prayer, I'm going to learn that, and my prayer understanding, that, that book will grow a little bit thicker, know a little bit more about it. I want us to understand that the reason prayer is important is because, and the reason we're doing all of this is because prayer is a huge blessing to God's people. It's a huge blessing for us to be able to talk to the God of the universe, to ask him to do things and him to hear those prayers. And it is a great blessing made possible only by a great savior. Remember all of those things that, that the reasons that God wouldn't hear the prayers of the people. I mean, it, it is, it is, it was sin that separated us from God. It is sin that left all of us to raise those bloody hands to God. When we pray, there's none of us. If, if Isaiah tells us that your hands are full of blood, I won't hear you. We all know that our hands are covered. Our, not just hands, our hearts, our lives would be covered with sin. What hope should we have that God would ever hear us? What hope is the temple pointing to? The temple to come. The temple who wouldn't just require us to have clean hands and feet, but the temple who would wash our hands and feet and make us clean so that we might have a father who hears our every prayer see when we make prayer small we actually unintentionally make the sacrifice of christ small 
when we make little of God's gifts, then we are making little of God's grace. Our confidence to pray is born out of our confidence in the cross. Do you have trouble praying? Do you pray like Jesus? Maybe is your trouble praying not that you know you know too little, but that you think you know too much? Look to the cross. Look at what it took to open up this blessing for us. A way to the Father has been opened. A way not just for our eternity, but for our today. That we might go to the God who made us, the one we sinned against, and yet the one who by his grace made us clean so that we might come to him and ask and he hear us. Solomon was right. That is a great blessing indeed. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you right now, God, you are great and glorious and the fact that your glory filled the temple and then in your kindness and absolute just unending unimaginable grace you don't just you didn't just make a temple for us in Jesus you then made us temples that we might not have to turn to Jerusalem to pray that we might not have to figure out in our church where to put up a sign that says Jerusalem this way Zion this way Temple Mount this way but that we can pray right here, right now. In the same way you promised the Israelites that they, when they prayed in that temple, you and your grace have made us the temples that we can pray right here, right now, and have the great blessing of you hearing us. That I, I, mean, I never want us to be, forget to be amazed that the God who made all of this is hearing both the words that come out of my mouth and the prayers of these people who are praying right now, God, teach me to pray. That they are rising up like Revelation tells us, like a great incense to you. Why is it such an incense to you? Because it is glory to you when your people realize we can't do it on our own. We need you. We need you in the big things. We need you every day. And you have given us a great gift. Pray, ask, and I will hear you. Know that. Rest in that. Have faith in that. So, Father, we come simply and we ask you, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples and just as Jesus taught his Lord teach us to pray it is in Christ's name that we ask this in confidence amen